Today's scripture comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you are, for all that you do, for all that you've done, for all that you're going to do, God. You are so good to us, and we thank you, Lord, especially for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that our faith is found in him, that our faith is perfected in him and his work on the cross. And so, Father, we praise you for that. And I just pray that right now that you would guide us and teach us and just reveal yourself to us in ways, Lord, that we haven't even previously known. And so, God, we give you this time. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, I got to tell you, I love worshiping the Lord. Um, And I feel like that uh, worship today was kind of like this liquid sermon for us, because obviously Jonathan has read the passage for today, right? And it is just such a beautiful, like, mesh into what we're talking about um, today. And so I'm so excited to talk about Hebrews chapter 12. We're just really focusing on two verses, but there's just so much in there that's going to be so great for us. But before we do, Chad gave us homework, right? Chad, thank you for preaching last week. You did an amazing job. I got to listen to it twice. It was awesome. Um, But he gave us homework, and our homework was this, by faith insert our name. And so I had this just thought in my head. In fact, yesterday I was playing around with some guys in the pool and we're, you know, you know, when you get in the pool, stay there too long, you start inventing games like, hey, I'm going to throw this shark at your face and I get two points if I hit you. And so we were, we were doing all this stuff. So then I was like, you know what, let's turn into something. We have to talk about our homework. I mean, I'm a procrastinator. It's the night before. What's my homework? By faith, Chris Smith, what? What would I want people to say about me? So I started getting creative, like, Went from coach to pastor, traded in the name. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, I was working for the school, and I'm working for the church. What does that even mean in there? But then I started thinking of it this way. By faith, what do I hope that God does through me? In the future, as we look down the line, what am I hoping that God does through my life? And it fits so beautifully into what we're going to talk about today is how do we, as believers in Christ, be the full example of Christ to the world? How do we set our sights on him? And so we're just going to tie it all together. We're kind of tying together this third little button that we have here about Jesus being this perfect pattern of faith for. So remember, this this idea is that when you see these symbols that you should sort of think in your mind, okay, boop, this thing is coming up. So for example, like this one, boop, you should have in your mind the symbol that comes up that Jesus is greater. He's better. He's better than the angels. So if an angel showed up in your room like, oh, right, you're like, Jesus is better. That should be your answer to them, all right? right? Like, hey, good to see you, but what are you going to tell me about Jesus? Because Jesus is better, better than the angels. He's better than Moses. Moses had the staff. Water ran from him, right? He had the Ten Commandments twice, right? I mean, he just misses Moses, but Jesus is better. He's better than the law, right? 
better than Joshua. Joshua walked around Jericho. Walls fell down. He brought him into the promised land. He brought him into rest. Yet Jesus is better. Is Jesus better than everything else you come into contact in the world? But not only is he greater, but, whoop, right? He is the great high priest. Because not only is he better than Melchizedek, remember this mysterious guy that just shows up and brings bread and wine and all of a sudden like, oh, I guess we're having the Lord's Supper before the Lord's Supper. Anyway, that's a really cool thing. But he's also bringing a better covenant. The heart of stone gets turned into a heart of flesh. The law which ruled over us now becomes life. We get real life. He brings a better covenant. And not only that, but Jesus is a better sacrifice. Not only did he doesn't have to offer a sacrifice for his own sins because he lived the life that we couldn't live, the perfect life. So he was the perfect sacrifice. Remember the sacrificial system that covered the outside, but Jesus' sacrifice covers the heart. So when the rain comes on the land, we don't see thorns and thistles come up, but when the rain comes on the land, we see fruit. We see God transforming our lives to produce in us good fruit. So not only is he greater, but he's the great high priest. He's the one who can go to God on our behalf, be our mediator between him and God. So if God, if Jesus is those things, then this third button is, whoop, he's the perfect pattern for us. He's the perfect pattern of faith for us to follow. That if you're going to see your life molded into something, let's let it be molded into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That we know that faith, right? We talked, Chad talked about this like this definition of faith, right? This idea that this assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things unseen from Hebrews chapter 11.1. 1. It's this idea of a joyful confidence in God and a conviction to live it out. This is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. But then, not only did he give us a definition, he gave us examples through the hall of faith. He gave us examples like Noah. He gave us examples like Moses and, and Enoch. Just all these incredible men and women that lived out this life. But he's going to give us a better example today in Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So yes, we should follow these examples of, of Moses and follow these examples, but ultimately, they all pale in comparison to the one perfect example, which was Jesus, okay? And so we're seeing this beautiful pattern being laid out before us, but we also see something else happening inside of verses 1 and 2. And if, if you were going to have homework, which I guess we're doing now, we're studying homework, right? It, the homework would be this, man, I hope that you could take Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 and hide them in your memory, hide them in your heart. Write them on your doorframe that you can remember these verses because they will renew your mind over and over again. That when those thoughts kind of get crazy, you'll take them captive and go, No, I'm going to make them obedient to Christ. Because what's happening here is he's also summing up this thread that's been going throughout the book of Hebrews. He's finally going to kind of tie off the end of it for us. It started back in chapter 2. If you remember back in Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 1, we had this sort of um, just a reminder of this verse that came forth. It says, therefore, this is chapter 2, verse 1, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So he's reminding us we need to pay closer attention. And we had this visual that we used. You remember the boat? 
we have this boat that is sitting on top of the water, and, and this boat is just going to be pushed by the tide. It's going to be pushed by the currents of, of philosophy and culture. Whatever is underneath the surface is pushing it along. This is the idea of us drifting away. And we used to live in a culture that didn't make us drift very far. We had sort of this Christian culture of this idea of what we could live like, and people accepted that. But as the culture has gotten more turbulent, as the waters have gotten rougher, right, it's beginning to push us further off. So we've got to throw out an anchor, right? And we've got to let the anchor go. But here's the problem. Some of us don't go all the way. Some of us put our faith in the idea of Jesus as long as it doesn't push us too far. But we have the appearance of godliness, but none of the power. We have the idea, people look at us and go, oh, yeah, they're rooted. They're rooted in Jesus, but the anchor's not down. We need to have our anchor down. Rooted in the truth of Jesus Christ. Put our faith only in him. It's by grace you've been saved through faith in him. That's the secret. That's the key to our relationship. Being grounded in him is to put our faith completely in Jesus. And if Jesus calls us to do something, we do it. We stand firm. We hold firm in his ways. And so we've seen this happen even more. If you look in verse 12 of chapter 3, he warns us even stronger in verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you with an evil and unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. So now we're not just drifting. We're falling. We're falling off the boat. We're sinking to the bottom if we have an evil and unbelieving heart. We don't want to fall so far that we're in darkness and we can't see the light. So we've got to find ourselves rooted and established in Christ. And so we, we're summing up that sort of idea in our verses today as well. We've had this strand all the way through that the author's doing a masterful job of tying up in these two little verses that are so deep. Right? So let's get into it. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, again, he's assuming you know the buttons. He's assuming you've been reading the book. You know kind of all these things. When he says assurance, you know what that means. When he says promises, you know what it means to have the promises. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So he, he puts this little word since in there. It's almost like an if-then statement or certain, something that's like a causal thing. Since this, then this, and he's going to give us these um, let us do these things sort of statement. But he says this, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are these witnesses? They're all the people from chapter 11 that have lived by faith the life they should live. Now, that can be kind of intimidating, especially if you think of, oh, there's a grandstand in heaven. And Moses and Joshua, and they're sitting down there, and they're cheering you on. You can do it, Ryan. You're right there, right? That's not what this is saying. What it's saying is that we have these examples from the past that show us that God is faithful. We can trust him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can trust God? When you see Noah, he's building a boat. It takes 100 years to build a boat because it's going to rain. Rain? What's that? Just build it. Abraham, I'm sending you to country. Where? I'll tell you later. Okay. And he goes. Right? We see these men of faith. How much different were they than us? I mean, Moses was a baby in a basket. Moses was a reluctant leader, yet God used him. Listen, don't underestimate your influence for the kingdom. Don't underestimate your influence on kingdom work all around the world. 
You might think, man, I'm just so insignificant. But what God is saying, by faith, you will. By faith, you have a plan. You have a purpose. We have this tendency to think of like these super leaders, Billy Graham, this incredible evangelist. Who evangelized Billy Graham? Who discipled him? Who taught him? Who walked alongside him? Moses is an incredible man. Here comes Jethro. Dude, what you doing? You're working too hard. Delegate already. Right? We see these men of God that have people behind them that are pouring into them. Don't underestimate your influence. The way that you live matters. The way you treat your waiter or waitress at the restaurant matters. You hear me? The way you treat them matters. The way you drive in your car matters. Ouch. Now listen, you notice how I started the sermon, right? By faith, Chris Smith. So this sermon is really what God has just beat me up with all week. Right? So join the club. All right. So how we live, the way you walk through the store, the way that you treat people, that matters. The way that you said hello to the neighbors that are around you today when you walked in. Thanks for doing that. If you didn't, do it afterwards. All right? We, the way we treat one another matters because you're all vital in the life of the church. Did you realize people are watching the way you live? Your neighbors are watching the way you live. If you want to have an impact and an influence on those around you, live like Christ. Be giving. Be loving. Don't throw their mail in the trash when it ends up in the wrong box. Take it over. Meet them. Say hello. Right? We matter to the kingdom work that's around us. We're an ambassador for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we need to live as he wants us to live. So since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, then he's going to give us this two sort of let us statements in here. Here's the first one. Let us lay aside every weight. Do you want to live in freedom? For the freedom of the Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Do you want to live in freedom? Here's the first thing. Take off the weight. Take off the weight. How do we do that? We live a focused life. Live a focused life. Now listen, um, do you remember the fad which was ankle weights? Anybody remember? You used to wear ankle weights and you had the, like a little Velcro, but then it didn't work well because you sweat too much. And, but you would like run around with the weights, right? Or anybody played baseball before? And you like get out there to get warm up and you have the little ring you put on there. It's a little heavier, right? And you're warming up. No one keeps the ring on when they go up to bat, they use the ring, the weight on the bat to, okay, well, now that I take it off, wow, this is light. I can swing this. My bat speed is improving, right? We need to let go of the weight when we want to run the race. No one takes the ankle weights and says, like, okay, I'm ready to run the race. Not if you want to win. Not if you want to win. You've got to take off the weight and run the race. Now, listen, what is the weight in 2023? What is the thing in your backpack Weighing you down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what mine is. Busyness. The weight that we carry, the stress and the anxiety that we carry is because we're too busy. Because we're so easily distracted, we don't always keep our eyes focused on what God has called us to do and what he really wants us to do. Let me ask you this question. What is most important to you? What is most important to you? When you do that thing that's most important to you, it doesn't feel like work, does it? Like you could do, some of you guys, um, you love to do your lawn. Like I do not. Like you'll go out there, you'll mow, you'll weedy, you'll get down and pull weeds. I'm like, that is a long ways down there. (laughs) And if I get down there, 
how am I going to get up from down there, right? And I'm like, I'll pull the weeds right by the tree so I can grab it and like shimmy my way back. I'm like, why would I pull that weed, right? Like, I'll just mow every once in a while when I can't find my kids in there anymore. I'll mow, right? That, that's like my idea of doing, doing lawn, right? Some of you, you love it. Like I kill plants before I even plant them. Like I bought a rose plant at the, at the store. I put it outside. It came back like three days later. Oh, yeah. I think I was going to plant that. It's dead already. Like I kill plants before they're even plants. All right? Because I just, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a joy for it. But if you put a round ball that bounces anywhere near me, a game has started. We don't have to have a hoop or a goal. We'll make one. Right? We, I, I just love to play. I love to invent games. I love to do the, I just, I just love that. So for me, it's not work. I'll do tons of work. I'll dive on the floor after a ball, but I won't get down and pull a weed right? Because it's something that I love. See, the things that are important to you, they're not work. But what happens to us is that we spread ourselves so thin that we don't actually do the things that we love. And many times the things that we love can be used for the glory of the Lord. I love to play. Guess what? Focus sports camp right up my alley. Right up my alley, right? Perfect thing for me. Get out there and use my gifts and enjoy it. And it's not work for me. Where other things that we do in the church are like, okay, here we go, right? You got to step into that because there's things that we have to take our life, it's so crazy, and trim it down. What is really important? How can we focus our life? Let me ask you a question. How many of you get distracted by your phone, right? How many of us get distracted by the phone? It pulls our attention. What if... See, some of us, you don't even realize you've never run full speed before because you've always carried the weight. You've always ca carried guilt, shame, anxiety. You've always carried those things. You've never run full speed. You've never said, you know what? Lord, I'm going to trust you because this is the real issue. The real issue with stress and anxiety is do you trust God and how much? All the way? Do you trust God with every area of your life? tough question, isn't it? See, what we really trust in is us, and we hope God helps us, when actually we need to trust in God and then just follow him. So we need to lay down every weight that we have. What would it be like to live a day without your phone? <laughs> like you you're like, find a little lockbox and you put it in there, and you don't touch it all day. How would that be? Frightening? Freeing? Like, imagine you were trying to get a hold of me, and you had to drive to my house and knock on the door? What? And then I wasn't there, and you have to drive around the neighborhood to see if I'm walking somewhere. How would that be? Crazy, the freedom that we could have if we could unplug from the world and really let our minds focus on what God wants us. When I don't have my phone, guess what I read more? This thing, right? You know what that's called? Sabbath. When you have rest from the busyness of the world and you can focus on the word of God. You can focus on the people that you love. You can focus on sharing life with the people that are around you. Let's lay aside every weight. And here's the second thing. And the sin which clings so closely. Isn't that so true? Doesn't your sin just always seem to pop up right there? Like you're following Jesus and you pause for a moment and it's like, oh, hey. Hey, sin. Hey, addiction. 
whatever it is. It's like you're like, you're chasing the Lord, but the moment you stop, the moment you pause and you're like, check the rearview mirror, it's sitting there smiling in the back seat, like, hey, you want me to drive for a while? Hey, I know you're tired. You're so tired. Just move over. I'll take over for a little bit. You know I'm a good driver. Our sin just clings so close. The other versions of it say it entangles us. We have to untangle from our sin. Do you know why? Because our sin leads to death. What do you want, death or life? We want life. We want to live in the freedom of Jesus. We have to let go of the stress and the anxiety. We have to let go of this sin which is leading us to death so we can truly be set free to live for him wherever he might lead us. Now, I don't know if you know this, but one of my pastimes is being a human jungle gym. Because anytime that I get around kids, they want to climb me. Right? I end up with like kids on my shoulders, kids on each leg. I remember at one time with my kids, I had a kid on each leg, a kid on my shoulders, and I was carrying one of them. You know, and you're doing the like dad walk, you're like, uh, uh, and you're just like, you're just, just trying to make it, right? They're entangled in you. Is that the way that you live life? But instead of having your kids, right, you got your job on your shoulders because you're worried about how you're going to pay the bills, right? You got one foot in your addiction, the other foot in your family, and here you are. You're carrying whatever today's burdens brought along. And this is how you're living life. Ooh. And you're just like, man, I don't know why I'm not having joy. Uh, I do, right? I know why, right? And you've got to lay those things down at the foot of the cross, you got to lay them down so you can be unhindered to run the race that's before us. And that's what he says next, is that we need to be ready to run the race with endurance that he set before us. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God want you to lay those things down? Or does God want you to carry them? Does God want you to walk around like this all the time? No. In fact, Psalm 55 22, all kinds of different authors just tell us the same thing. Look what it says. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will, he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Isn't that a good verse? Lay your burdens on him, and what will he do? He'll pick you up. He'll sustain you, and then he won't let you be moved. We feel like, well, i got to have all those things in order. No, 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 you don't need all those things. We need Jesus. We need to live a focused life. We need to let go of our sin so we can be free in those things. And he will establish us. Look what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 11. Right? Jesus himself tells us to lay down our, our cares and our burdens before him. Come to me, all who labor are in heavy laden. If I were to ask you, hey, how was your week? Busy. How are you feeling? Man, I'm tired. Man, it's been a busy week at work. What does Jesus say? Come to me. Lay it down, and I will give you rest. Whew. I will give you Sabbath. So you can refocus. Did you see Paul when he came up here? Did you see the smile on Paul's face coming back from Sabbath? Just refresh. Did you see the smile on my face when I came up here because Paul's back from Sabbath, right? Because, man, we miss Paul a lot, right? But, man, it's like rest just does something to your soul. It helps you reconnect with God. It makes you more efficient in your week when you're able to step back and rest. The grind, right, that's only good for coffee, they say, right? We need to walk in freedom with the Lord, right? Take my yoke upon you. This yoke is this teaching of God. Take the priorities of God 
Put them as priorities in your life and learn from him, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Jesus is not going to put the weight of the world upon your shoulders. He's already paid that price. He doesn't need you to carry that. He doesn't need you to carry the shame. He's already paid for it. He didn't need to carry the guilt. He paid for it. He wants you to walk in freedom, be an ambassador for him. This is the command that the Lord gives us is just to encourage us in this letting those things down and walking with him. And then why? So that we will run with endurance the race set before us. Run with endurance. We know this. We've heard this many different times about having to run with endurance. Chapter 10 tells us all about running with endurance. The race. Now, you know what's interesting? This word for race, if you look it up in the Greek, is the word agon, right? And if you were to transliterate that verse, it's the same word that's used for agony. That's what a race feels like. Anybody? Anybody used to run long distance out there? Anybody with me? Now, listen, I was a long distance runner. I know. I know. Okay, like you looked at me in track and you thought shot put. Well, you just thought shot put. You didn't think like you ran the two mile or the 5K. You didn't think that, right? But I was a 5K, 10K, 15K runner. And, and I was pretty good at it, but there's only one reason I was good at it. I'm ultra competitive. I'm so, so, so competitive, right? And I know that I could push my body to limit. So whoever the first place guy was, I would just run behind him. And then when it got close to the end, I'm like, I'm finding something deep, and I'm just going, like a little elbow in there, and I'm just going, right? Like I just had such a competitive nature that I could just dig deep, and when the race was over, whoo, just collapsed because there was nothing left. But just in my mind, I just knew I could do that, right? And so when we hear, we need to run the race, there can be a tendency in us to be like, yes, God's stretching out a little bit, right? All right, I'm ready, let's do this, let's do this. And you're standing here, and, and God's like, I want you to run that way. You're like, no, no, no. Everybody else is facing this way, Lord. I'm going to run this way. Like, no, no, no. Your, your race is this way. I've laid out a course for you. Because here's what I learned. When you're running the course, you can't take shortcuts if you want to win the race. First Corinthians even talks about that. When Paul's talking about in chapter 9, he says, I run, if you're going to run the race, run to win. If you're going to run, you have to run according to the rules, but run so you obtain the prize. Like, if you're going to compete, compete. But if you're going to compete you got to compete according to the rules. you got to discipline your body. you got to get yourself ready. So if we're going to run the race, if I run the race everybody else is running, maybe that's not the race God has set out for me. Are you ready to turn away from the flow? Say, okay, Lord, if this is the race you want me to run, I'm going to run it with endurance, whatever you've set out before me. You see, I, th- I think we have a tendency. We really want God to be the one that is a wing behind us, kind of giving us, Red Bull gives you wings, but we want the Lord to give us wings and push us towards our finish line when actuality is like, no, no, lay down the weight, lay down the sin so you can run my race for your life. If you want to live by faith, you've got to live by his course that he has for you. And believe me, that course takes some turns. So you've got to keep your eyes fixed on him. And that's what he says next. He says, let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, this incredible looking to Jesus, this word looking, again, this is one of the things that's so beautiful about the Bible. The more 
you read it and study it, the more alive it comes. This word looking is actually a compound word in the Greek. It's two different words that have come together. And those two different words we've kind of seen before. The first word is apo, which means to separate from. Right? So that means that if I have my eyes fixed on Marvin, in order to look at Jesus, I have to separate my eyes from him to put him on Jesus. I love Marvin. He's awesome. He's an awesome dude. If you know Marvin, get to know Marvin. He's awesome, right? Um, and you're shaking yes because, yeah, you're married to him. You're, you're, you know that, right? But if, but if I want to put my eyes on Jesus, I have to take my eyes, even off of something that I love, to put them on Jesus. Doesn't it sound like such a simple command for Jesus to say, follow me? But it's so difficult, isn't it? Like if we were to play follow the leader right now, which would be a really fun church activity, Okay which I guess we're kind of going to do with the Lord's Supper in a second. But anyway, um, you ever remember in grade school playing follow the leader, right? And you get to be the leader like, yeah, and you're walking. You kind of do the serpentine, and everybody has to follow you, right? You start marching in the air. Everybody behind you is going to march in the air, right? If you're back of the line, what typically happens? You're like, yeah, and you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. get back in line, right? And you're following. You're like doing the thing. You're like, oh, that's so cool. And everybody's gone. Right? That's what happens to us in our walk with Christ. Jesus says, follow me. And we're like, ooh, shiny thing over here. Let me go check that out. Oh, I love that sin. And then we just kind of drift off. Instead of following the leader, it means that we follow him and we do what he does. When he stops, we stop. When he goes, we go. Wherever he goes, we go. We don't, uh, hey, I don't think we should go to Caesarea Philippi. That place is, uh, like, no, no, we're going. That's where we're going. I'm teaching you. I'm, I'm leading you. This is our role, to look to Jesus, take our eyes off of something and to fix them on something. If you're going to fix it on something, that means you have to keep your eyes focused on that. By the way, that's a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute thing, isn't it? To fix your eyes on something, you got to keep reminding. It's like a stare contest with Jesus you got to keep the focus. you got to keep it going. This is what it means when it says, looking to Jesus. Why? Why is Jesus worthy of that? What's well, going to tell us in the rest of this verse, because we know he is worthy of that. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Woo! So good. Have you ever thought of, for the joy set before him? Now, when Jesus looked at the cross, he knew what it was going to accomplish. And you know whose joy was going to be won on the cross? Ours. Our abundant life. Our joy was bought by him. And how did he do it? By enduring the cross. There's the endurance we've been talking about this whole time. If Jesus can endure the cross, can we endure the walk? If Jesus can endure scourging, mocking, and death, can we run the same race with endurance. He's the perfect example of that. Never wavering, constantly serving, constantly laying down his life for others. That's a pattern for us to follow with him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. This is such an interesting phrase. Why did the author phrase it this way? Despising the shame. Why did he he hated, he, he despised the shame that was being thrown upon him. The shame that made his disciples run away from him. Some of them without clothes, they were so desperate to get away. Or Peter looking on him saying, no, I do not know him. Three times before the rooster crowed. 
What about the shame of those standing there? Oh, let God save him. They strip him naked. The God of the universe, the dignity that he had, the way that he treated the the hurting and the broken with dignity, they showed him none. They mocked him. They punched him in the face. Tell me who did it. Punch him in the face. Tell me who. You say you could prophesy, you know all things. Tell me who. And they just put shame and shame and shame upon him. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, paying the price for our shame and guilt so that we don't have to bear that anymore, that we can lay it at the cross. And then he was seated at the right hand of God. He won the race. So Jesus, through his endurance, he got the victory. He praised the Lord. We don't have to walk in that shame anymore. And if we go back all the way to Hebrews chapter 1, where we first started a long time ago, I just want to remind you, this is what the author told us he was going to do. He was going to show us the glory and the beauty of Jesus. Starting in verse 2, it said, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, his son Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. It's your breath that we praise him with, right? After making purification for sins, after enduring the cross and despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, This is Jesus. This is who we put our faith in. One that doesn't make us feel the wrath of our sin, but paid for it so that we can walk in freedom. So I want to encourage you this week. Live a focused life, but focused on him, not focused on you. But focused on what does God want me to do for his kingdom work this week. And when you feel tripped up, when you feel grabbed, what is this thing that's hindering me? What is the weight I'm bearing? I'm supposed to lay that down. I'm supposed to untangle from this so I can walk according to his ways. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross. What an incredible sacrifice. Lord, as people spit on you, as people punched you, as people whipped you, Lord, you saw the end result. And for the joy set before you, endured it. You took our shame so that we could be the righteous of God. So help us, Lord, to live that out. Help us not to forget what you have done for us. Lord, thank you for these beautiful verses that spur us on, stir us up to be more like you. Pray all this in your name. Amen. And so we want to remember Christ today. In in view of these verses, we want to remember what he endured for us on the cross. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Let me give you a little bit of instructions. If you're in the the side over here, if y'all could go to the wall and then just kind of come up this middle aisle. If y'all are in the pie shape here, you're going to come together, come down here, and then y'all could kind of flow back up the aisles that way when you're done. Middle section, I didn't forget about you this week, okay? If you guys could come to the middle and kind of flow down this way, and then you could flow back up that aisle, y'all can come down the middle and kind of flow either direction that y'all feel comfortable, and you guys go to the wall, and we're going to get the Lord's Supper elements, and then Rudy will lead us in taking the elements together. So you guys may stand. We're going to come down and get the elements for the Lord's Supper.
Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Lord's Supper is a way we celebrate our intimate connection and an ongoing relationship with Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said this, This is my body, which is for you to do this in remembrance of me. Church, let's partake in the bread. same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me let's drink the cup and a verse after that it says for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray, church. Oh, Lord, eternal Father, we praise and thank you for the grace that through your son, Jesus Christ, you established this supper that we just did. By your Holy Spirit, you help us confess and forsake our sins that we may believe that we're forgiven through Christ and to grow in faith and love day by day until we come at last to the joy of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. We have just a few announcements to make. This is incredible. This I, I think you should read yours for. What does yours say? Hello. Hey, this is exciting. Okay. All right. Without further making you wait any longer, we've got Bible study news. Summer Bible studies coming up. Woo! Okay. Yay! Okay. So the women this summer are going to be studying. Oh yeah, that's a good one. This is that's so good. a good one. Ezekiel. Ezekiel, not all 48 chapters, but a good selection that'll give you the scope of the entire story, which is pretty fantastic. We're going to start on June 12th, 12th, and you start the 13th. 13th. Okay, so women, Monday nights, 
from 7 to 9 p.m. here at the church. We're meeting for seven weeks. I think y'all are doing something different. Yes, we're meeting for five weeks, and we're studying Nehemiah, the art of perseverance. We've been talking about persevering a lot, so Nehemiah is a fantastic book that we will study through. We're going to start on June the 13th, which is Tuesday night, starting at 7 p.m., and uh, we'll have uh, five sessions of those. So we will have opportunities for everyone to register. Yes, starting next week. We're going to have tables out front, and you'll definitely want to register, especially women, if you plan on bringing your kids, because there's going to be child care provided for those who register for it. No child care for you guys, or you got to figure it out on your own. All right, but we are excited. We want you guys to sign up for that. It's going to be a lot of fun being together, digging into God's Word. And uh, Sandra and I are really excited about doing this. Hey, have you been praying for good weather today for Family Day? I have, and it looks like we're going to have a great time together. It's at Twin Oaks Ranch up in Buda, right in that off 927, 957. Yeah, whatever. It's just right down the road in Buda. Be there at 2 o'clock. It's a full day of a lot of fun. Uh, we get to do a lot of fun things. We'll have some baptisms, and that's always a great celebration. Baptisms at 5 p.m. We're going to have dinner after that. And we're also going to be able to celebrate a cancer-free Hope Wood. We're going to celebrate that today. Yeah. So just a day of celebration and, and building community and fellowship together. We hope you come to that at 2 p.m. Yay. And another exciting thing that you need to know about is that next Sunday on May 14th is Mother's Day. And during this service, at the 10 o'clock service, we're going to have a um, child and baby dedication. So if you're interested in that, if you have a child or grandchild that that you would like to dedicate to the Lord here um, at our church, you need to speak with Mr. Neff today, tomorrow, but no later than tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) He said, please soon. So just talk with him. All right, it's been great to worship with all of you today. I've really enjoyed the message in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and uh, let us continue in faith. And if you need prayer, we invite you to come up after we dismiss, and Chris and I and the other pastors, Jeff, uh, uh, Jayton, I got Jayton and Neth together, uh, uh, whatever your name is, we will all be up here. We would, <laughs> we would love to pray with you. It's, it's a delight for us. I'm going to close you with um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9 says, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Hey, did y'all watch the coronation or any of that yesterday for the new king of England? Maybe not. I I watched part of it, and I just wanted to say, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like when Jesus comes in all of his glory and and what a small spectacle that will be but anyway church be blessed this week we love you so much you're dismissed